Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to a brand new show called the Brad and Avery Hour. I'm your host, Brad Barco, alongside my very, very special uh, co-host, Avery Lewis McDougal. Uh, Avery, we've been wanting to do this for a while, man. I'm, I'm super excited to finally put our heads together and, and make this happen, and I'm super excited. Thank you so much for, for doing this with me. I know, Brad. You know what? About a month of planning, it's finally here. We're sitting here in Granville at Atlas Edmonton. You know our studio. It's, if you could see it right now, you'd be saying, dang, he's going to a nice studio going on. <laughs> Just imagine the Pope and picture us in movie here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And right now, Brad, there's three of us. There's one guessing in between us, Brad. So, Brad, tell us who's, who's our guest right now in yeah, the studio. Good, good friend of mine, Dave, Dave Pavich. Uh, he's, he was kind enough to take some time out of his very busy schedule with the VP of marketing here at, at Grand Villa and uh, DNA Entertainment as well. He's also going to run his own business. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for joining us and uh, first off, allowing us to, to do this and make this uh, come true. Oh, this is amazing. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm honored to be your first guest and we're, we, we welcome you with open arms here at Grand Villa Casino and Atlas is, uh, is your personal studio every Monday night, so it's perfect. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Of course, I know you're a big sports fan. You're big into MMA, wrestling. So I want to ask you, we were at your house watching WrestleMania a couple of weeks ago, and Backlash happened on Sunday nights. So we're going to talk some Backlash. You know, that was a card, you know, compared to WrestleMania. I thought it was a card that was very, very meh in my mind compared to WrestleMania. Yeah, I thought the same thing about yeah. uh, the greatest Royal Rumble, too, like with all the hype that was behind yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, but wrestling is a, is a storyline, so they're always building for something up. Something else, right? So yeah. it was interesting. Um, I don't, I don't understand the the whole Jeff Hardy as U.S. champion. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get that that portion of it, right? So there's a few things where I'm just like, I love Seth Rollins as the uh, IC champ. That's great, you know. Between him and Finn Balor, I think there'll be some epic, mm-hmm. epic matches in the next few weeks or months. Um, and then uh, it's time for Braun Strowman to be the champ. I, I completely agree. Yeah, Braun Strowman is a champ. I think is the the WWE needs to give him a, a push. Yeah, sure. yeah. Like he's been around for a few years now, and it's just like the way he moves, his skill level. You know, everybody was like, "Well, can he wrestle?" Well, he definitely showed that he can wrestle and he can move, and, right. and he can be in there and make and make the other guy entertaining, right? Like exactly. Sammy matches with Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. right? Still entertaining, even though the guy's twice the size, and yeah. you know he, he imposes his will, but. On the mic, he's he's growing too. I think yeah. he's getting better and better on the mic. That's right. And the one thing you see wrestling, like the big guys, I don't really know his great, great personalities, great talkers. You saw me, the great talker. You saw WrestleMania. If, if, if his personality, you know, bring it out of the crowd as a tag team partner and make it work, I thought it was hilarious. What he did at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, he did that uh, mixed match challenge, which was pretty funny with Alexa, Alexa Bliss, mm-hmm. which was good, right? So yeah, I think I think uh, I think he should be the champ. For sure, I think it's time for Brock Lesnar to, to move uh, inside and have somebody that's there day in and day out be the champ. For sure, uh, let's move over and talk uh, talk some MMA, some you know some UFC. Uh, we looked at the, the city lifted the ban now, so we're, we're allowed you know combat sports in Edmonton. Now, what what does this mean now for combat sports in Edmonton moving forward? Now with the bans lifted. Uh, do you, do you see a black eye at all moving forward, or is this, is this no? I don't think so. I think it's actually, you know, I don't, I want, I don't want to say good for the sport because obviously it was a tragedy. Right. But mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think they're going to be a lot more serious on who they hire 
at the Edmonton Combative Sports Commission. They're going to have a lot more, you know, due diligence and, and things like that, especially when it comes to checking out medicals and, and the history of a fighter. So, yeah. and definitely mismatches, right? Um, exactly. They're, they're going to face that. a lot of that too, which, which is good. And even like last week, you were there, the Jelena fight, yes. right? Jelena won. She's just an animal. Like, she's unbelievable. Like, unparalleled skill. And her gym champs is doing amazing as well. And she did great that night. But I was kind of disappointed. There was some good fights on the card. But it just seems like it's like Edmonton versus, you know, half-assers. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Completely agree. I've got good friends with uh, Adam Braywood as well. And it's good to see him come out and, yeah, and yeah. put on a show as always. But yeah, that guy's was nice. a legit beast, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And you mentioned a few things, Dave. Is there one thing you want to see change? You mentioned like um, you know, medical history, mismatches. Is there one thing you think is the most important thing out of all those to try and fix for Edmonton Combat Sports? Number one is definitely uh, medicals, right? If somebody's been knocked out within the last few weeks or months, right? And it's also part of the camps. Uh, responsibility you know like if people are getting hurt in the gym and knowing yeah. and I understand these these guys this is their living right so they yeah. make money on this and that's why they have to show up day in and day out and fight through injuries and you know they say that a fighter is never a hundred percent come fight time you know there's always nicks and cracks and bruises and injuries or some some sort when they're fighting but at the same time is people have to do their due diligence and keep the, the fighter safe. Safety is their number one concern, right? If, if we didn't have a commission, then it would be all over the place. That's their number one job is to keep the fighter safe, right? right? Because the fighter's never going to say, hey, I'm, I'm hurt on this and that. It's their job to, to look into the injuries or the, the physicality of, right. uh, 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 of the medicals. Yeah. Right. And I know people listening, the name Pavlich might sound very familiar because your dad founded MFC, which was a well-known fighting championship promotion here in Edmonton. And I know you yourself, Dave, had a role for many years in MFC. Yeah, it was a BB. My, yeah, my, my dad's a pioneer in this country for mm -hmm. uh, mixed martial arts, right? He fought to get this sport um, approved and, and legislated here in Alberta, right? If it wasn't mm -hmm. for him, there still wouldn't be any yeah. MMA yeah. in this in this region, right? He had to fight uh, with the mayor. It was Bill Smith as, at the time, and he fought for the sport to be legal. And then he did it very, very, very professionally, and he really brought a lot of validity to the sport, especially signing a deal with Mark Cuban and Mark Cuban actually coming down to Edmonton and uh, and signing the contract and being here live watching it as we were live on his television network access TV and uh, yeah so I, I do come from a big sports background for, with family obviously the apple sometimes falls far from the tree since I'm not really in sports I did play <laughs> hockey growing up but never made it to that level I guess I'm kind of an athlete but my grandpa is he was a first uh, and it NHL linesman in the Hockey Hall of Fame, oh, wow. and then uh, my great uncle actually started the NHLPA, the NHL Union, with Ted Lindsay uh, back in the day, and um, he won four Stanley Cups with the Detroit Red Wings. So those roots uh, definitely run deep, then. Yeah, exactly. I've got I, I got big shoes to fill for sure. That's <laughs> true. You mentioned sure. hockey. You know, right now behind us, the Capitals just won the playoff series against Pittsburgh the first time since '94. They beat the Penguins. We thought on Washington moving on to Eastern Conference Finals nowadays. Huge, huge. That's crazy because yeah, I was we just were talking about this earlier today how Pittsburgh always beats them. Mm -hmm. I think it's been has it been this matchup for like the last yeah, four well, years? Last couple yeah. years. And, yeah. and I know I having dinner, uh, me and Avery were talking that you know, if the Caps were to lose this series, 
what needs to change. And it, it's finally good to yeah. for the Cavs to get the monkey off the back to move on and, and to kind of put the demons, quote-unquote, to rest and be the second round. And, and we'll see what happens there you moving go. forward. I'm still, I'm still cheering for Vegas. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think that would – it's definitely going to make history in any win, and that'd be outstanding. It'd be huge, and especially with us being in the casino business, right? It's yeah. kind of fun. We send people back and forth, and we're, we're Yegis here, so I guess it's kind of close. It's the closest, since the, our Oilers are out, it's the closest team to us, really. We're the winter Vegas. Exactly. We're the winter winter Yegis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I know that they're Winnipeg still in, too, right? Yes. So they're yeah. the Canadian team. So between them and Vegas. Right. Choices. Yeah, I'm sure travel wise, you would rather go to Vegas than go to Winnipeg in terms of travel. Oh, <laughs> a yeah. fan or a player or whatever. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm definitely just watching Winnipeg <laughs> play on TV. For sure. Uh, you know, I, I just want to, before we wrap up, I, I want to talk about, you know, the uh, you and your involvement in the casino and with Grand Villa. We're, I mean, you guys kind of. You've had a big hand in, in growing this and obviously being involved, you know, next to the Oilers and Rogers Place and. Uh, where, where do you see, you know, Grand Villa kind of going? Oh, Grand Villa is, it's one of those properties where you have to come and see it to believe it, right? It's absolutely gorgeous inside and out. I mean, like we're right here attached to uh, Rogers Place, which is electric atmosphere during mm-hmm. the Oilers uh, season, right? It's absolutely fantastic. Before and after the games, it's just just fans everywhere, just cheering, and it's good, such a good positive energy. You know, right. you know, we have good fans here. Win or lose, we support the team, as you can tell, for the last 10 years, right? So it's amazing to be here uh, attached to Rogers Place. But it's just finding our own space here in Ice District, right, during the summer months. Right. Um, lots of concerts, lots of action, and a lot of creating our own events here, right? right. There's a lot going on. You're an elite member, right, Friday nights. That's right. We have uh, Elite Fridays at Match, which That's is a right. super cool late-night networking event. And uh, Brad's an elite member along with uh, two ex-Edmonton Oilers players. And the, literally the who's who of Edmonton um, will, will become elite members. And then they have private parties for them as well. And we just have a lot of really cool concepts here, right? Bubbly Thursdays is another one here where it's half-priced seafood and champagne. We're starting improv. We have a Queen's Brunch. Cool. which is a, uh, a drag brunch once a month, right? So just creating our own events and concepts that, you know, when you come here, you know something's going on. You know it's going to be fun. You know you have a bunch of different vibes. You can go to Match, which is more of a casual sports pub. Right. Then you can go out to the casino. You can go back and forth to there. and then Or you can come upstairs, you know, visit our Atlas Steakhouse, the Steak and Fish, and it's absolutely gorgeous up here, right? Isn't that- it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's probably one of the nicest rooms in the city yeah I, I would agree and then uh high limit is upstairs as well so you we're we're probably the only vegas like casino in the city mm-hmm. and then we have starlight casino opening up right. in west edmonton mall uh very shortly as well and we're doing that in phases so you can actually go there right now and see some of the development that's happening we have match which is open over there as well so you'll see that concept all over the country with match so we own 30 casinos gateway casinos is uh, is what owns grand villa and starlight right. and we have 30 casinos across the country from ontario to bc and uh, yeah so you'll see matches all across canada soon and that match in west Edmonton mall is beautiful it's got it's got a gorgeous stage with live entertainment every weekend as do we but they also have a patio which is great yeah which is awesome yeah really great for our summer months here right they got fire tables where you can you know hang out around the table 
table, have a few drinks and stuff, which is right. fun. And then Hallie's is opening up, and you got to experience that, it. What that did you incredible. think? incredible. I mean, it, it's a totally uh, new concept, a totally kind of new twist on Edmonton, and the the, the I love the, the costumes of the waiters and, and just the food was absolutely tremendous. So if you do get a chance, uh, head on down to, to West Edmonton Mall and check out Howie's and uh, it's just incredible. It was, it was awesome. You guys did a wicked job. Yeah. Did you like the band? The band was great. The band was yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's, a, it's a different feel, right? They play all those modern songs and bringing it back into that modern or that, that uh, swing era, which is kind of funky and fun. And, and it's different. It's a night out. And then afterwards, it goes into a nightclub as well. So I, I know you don't like to stay too late when the wife's out. So. <laughs> <laughs> when the wife's and dad will come back. But again, we just want to thank you and uh, everybody involved. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to uh, – to get this thing going every Monday night? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be really exciting, and uh, I can't wait to see the progression of the show. Awesome. Right. Dave's been blessed by coming to the podcast with us. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, that was Dave Pablis joining us, and Brad, that was good stuff for the first guest. Dave's a blast to chat with us always. Uh, always. Uh, Dave, you know, Dave has become a good friend over the, the last year and the last couple months, and uh, it was a pleasure to, for him to come in and break the ice with us. It's been, it's been good. No, exactly. All right. So some of you are probably thinking, all right, who the heck are these two jokers? Anyway, like Brad mentioned in the intro, he's Brad Bartko. I'm Avery Lewis McDougall. And we've both been in media in Edmonton and abroad in the content for, I've been in media for 10 years. And Brad's been doing his own show, Bradcast Sports. I've done Avery Sports Show. Brad, mm-hmm. your show's been on for about eight, nine years now, Bradcast yeah, Sports, about, right? About nine years. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we've done, uh, you know, close to 200 episodes and, uh, my, you know, alongside my co-host Rick Michaels, and uh, it's it's been incredible, and uh, we're we're I'm super excited to be able to branch out and and now have this partnership with Grand Villa and with Master Casino, and and to be able to start something new and a new brand and, and something fresh uh, in the in the Edmonton area, and and to be able to bring some some guests and, and whatever on exactly before, and I'm excited. It's true, come a long way from doing our shows in you know our basements, you know on cell phones because blog because we did our shows originally. I didn't mind first on Blog Talk Radio, as did you. Right. And I took my show to live stream, YouTube, whatever. And yeah, we've gone a long way. We're now in a studio where if you saw our Instagram posts, Instagram Instagram stories, Instagram content, this room we're in doing the podcast, I got to say it was about, I don't know, a few thousand dollars worth of wine in a room behind us, in a, in a case behind us. That chandelier is probably worth, you know, both. I, I don't even want to speculate, but wow, I wouldn't want to touch it or break it. <laughs> no, exactly. Heck, like, yeah, no, everything here I've cost a few couple of million in the entire room. You know, way more than we can afford right now to replace. <laughs> it, it, it's incredible, you know, and you mentioned coming from uh, quote-unquote humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. I, I was doing, you know, interviews in my mom's basement, in my bedroom, in my underwear, and... Uh, <laughs> Now we're in a now we're in a full suit almost and uh, doing doing things big here up in uh, in Atlas the Grand Bell Casinos. Exactly. And we're mentioning with Dave the playoffs. They saw we mentioned earlier again Kuznetsov wins it for Washington. The Capitals get their first playoffs, which is insane. The Penguins had won every series between these two teams. This is 93-94, which is insanity, and this is the Capitals' first playoff win over the Penguins in 24 years. You know, you you got to give it to the Caps. There, it's finally, I think, they've turned the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we didn't see the best Braden Holpe. Uh, Grubauer really kind of 
came out and, and pulled them out of the first round and hope he kind of rebounded in, in round two. But, I mean, you, you look at Kuznetsov and Alexander Ovechkin, and who's been, you know, fighting tooth and nail for the last number of years mm-hmm. to try, you know, get his name on the Stanley Cup. And, and now here we are. Uh, he's four wins away from adding to a Stanley Cup final. Exactly. And now when the Capitals become the first D.C.-based team in either the NHL, NFL, MLB, or NBA to advance the conference final, it was a 20-year drought. The Capitals were the, were the last team out of Washington to do that when they made the Cup Finals in 98, only to lose to the Detroit Red Wings. Which should be like, that kind of drought for a city, that is an insane drought for one city to have all four of your teams not get past second round. The only D.C. team, I know it's not Big Four, but the only D.C. team with a title in the past 20 years has been D.C. United of Major League Soccer. <laughs> Which is mind-blowing when you mention it. And I, I just, you know, I, I wish the best for the Caps, and I, I just don't see them winning the Cup. Uh, I don't know if they're fully there yet. I mean, obviously they can go out and prove them, prove it wrong. Like I said, they're they're four wins away now from going to uh, the dance, the big dance, and uh, I guess we'll we'll see if they can uh, if they can get past uh, Tampa Bay. Exactly, and now that'll be quite a series now seeing Tampa Bay and Washington. The fire the firepower of Alex Ovechkin versus Steven Stamkos. That's going to be a 9-8 game every single game in the series. Well, I'll, I'll, t- <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. is I didn't give Tampa Bay a chance. I had Boston clearly winning that series. And let me tell you, this this team really proved me wrong. And you you look at the depth they added at the deadline with McDonough and, and JT Miller. And, and JT Miller's been a pleasant surprise. I mean, he, he did very well with the New York Rangers, but he's fit so well with this Tampa Bay Lightning team that he's become, outside of your Kucherov, outside of Steven Stamkos, he's become the go-to guy. No, exactly. And Ryan McDonough really gets a chance to sit back behind the likes of Sorgachev, behind the likes of Victor Hedman, and just play his game. And I really think he's found a home, and they've done a tremendous job. Let's not uh, count out uh, Vasilevsky, who's been absolutely incredible, and... Just remember, they, they beat out a very, very good and a very talented Boston Bruins team. No, exactly. I remember, because it's funny, because I think Boston won, remember Boston won game one, and people are saying, oh, what's John Cooper doing? What's John Cooper doing? And where are the crazy John Cooper now? This I honestly think that John Cooper has been the best coaching hire for the Lightning in franchise history. Yes, I know Torrell won them a cup, but John Cooper has been phenomenal as his head coach's club. I have to go back to the finals once again. Let me tell you, this guy, for me, for me, is coach of the year. Uh, just what he's done with the Tampa Bay Lightning and and what he's been able to come in and do. You mentioned the likes of John Tortorella and what he did with this team. And, of course, obviously we all remember when they beat the Calgary Flames and won, mm-hmm. the, won the Stanley Cup with the likes of Dave Anderchuk and, you know, so on down the list. Yeah. But this is, this is a team that's very capable of winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, Steve, again, we mentioned Steven Stankos, and, and I think John Cooper is the guy to beat them there. And, and I'll, I'll go out on a limb right now, and I'll say the Tampa Bay Lightning will beat the Capitals in six games. Six and games. They'll, and, they'll, and they'll book their tickets this time we got on. Wow. You know what? I will go Tampa as well, but I will go Tampa Bay in seven. I think this will be a hard-fought, tooth-and-nail series that goes the maximum. Alex Ovechkin, who's Metsopper and Holtby, they will not go down in less than seven games in my mind, Brad. So let, um, let me ask you this. We talked about it off off the audio and off air, but 
if the ta- if the Washington Capitals lose out and don't make it to the Cup, what happens with this team? Is is this a team that we envision without Alexander Ovechkin? Is this a team without Kuznetsov? Is this a team without Baxter? Is Braden Holtby the the goats and the head rolls? Is you know Barry Trotz again? We're we're talking about another coach, but how many coaches do you have to go through? So before you start looking at the players, and we, we've had this conversation numerous times over the past 11 years here in Edmonton mm-hmm. as we look at the coaching hires and the coaching changes and the turnover there. At what point do you guys start looking at addressing them and the change has to be made? I think for the Capitals right now, it's a bit delayed because they finally got past the second round hump. Mm-hmm. It saved people some time. I think Barry Trotz right now, he'll be there for a little bit longer because he can now go in as, you know, I'm the coach finding up this team past round number two. It was my team that did that. I'm the guy who in charge of the team that did that. But so I don't think there'll be a coaching change for any time soon, though. But you're right. The Capitals, they went through so many head coaches before they got to trot to finally who we think might be their savior. You had Glenn Hanlon. You had Dale Hunter. Mm-hmm. On and on and on and on and on. And I finally think Trotz may be the one to get them past hump. If they don't get past Tampa this year... I think they'll be cup finals next year. I think Trotz has what it takes to be the coach who leads them finally to a cup final. You know, and, and we look at also, you look at a team like the San Jose Sharks who, you know, they're kind of in the same boat. They can't seem to get over that hump, you know, with Todd McCollum now with Peter DeBoer. Um, that, that's another team that, that could be in some some changes. And you, you see Marlowe leave. I mean, does Pavelski and all those guys go? I, I don't know what happens. And, I, I very right now I'm excited uh, to be honest. The one team is the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it's a team that everybody counted out. Nobody had, nobody gave them a chance. Nobody gave them the opportunity. Nobody even really gave them a second look. Said this is a team of castaways. This is a team of nobodies. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup. They're not even going to make the playoffs. We were talking when when this happened. That they were, they were probably they were going to be in contention to draft Rasmus Dahlin, <laughs> and now here they are going to the Washington Capitals finally. They're taking on Winnipeg and Nashville. Now, for the record, I am the one guy who said they'd be a playoff team. I went on Dinner Television, which is a now defunct TV show hosted by Jason Strudwick. It was myself, Jason Strudwick, and Jeff Delorier, two members of Elite Edmonton. Plugging right there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Gotta get that plug in. And I went on TV and said the Vegas Golden Knights will be a playoff team. And on, I, I, I'm trying right now to find that clip to put on my YouTube channel and Twitter. Right. But I got laughed at because they thought that was insanity. And who's crazy now? A 109-point <laughs> team and eight wins away from a Stanley Cup final. But yes. Brad, it's a great story. And, you know, yes, there's a bunch of misfits. Yes, you know, we didn't think it would be – people didn't think it would work out. But you know what? Spite is a big motivator for anyone to say, you know what? Oh, you don't want me anymore? All right. I'll prove you wrong. Well, and let's not forget, Avery. They they got a Stanley Cup champion netminder. Yeah. And Marc-Andre Florian. And this guy is no guy to bet now, Ashad. This guy's a proven winner. This guy's a champion really everywhere he goes. He's only really been in Pittsburgh. But every – Opportunity he's gotten every moment he's seized it with the Vegas Golden Knights, and he is a big reason. Obviously, you can't discount the forwards and and the rest of the team, but he's a big reason this team's in in the position they're in. Oh, of course not. Now he has out of the ten playoff games he's played in, he has four shutouts, which which is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, we we you can go down the line and look at guys like Willie Thompson. Mm-hmm. This guy's a fourth line player in Columbus, 
And, you know, John Tortorella is basically telling him to pack his bags and get going. Yeah. And he's a number one center in Vegas and is, you know, the best player, I believe, on the ice for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. And you look at guys like Alex Tuckton and Eric Holler, who had a not bad career in Minnesota, just wasn't utilized, and now all these players have come out. They, they've swapped the team together, basically, and this team has stuck and done a a heck of a job. You look at with the additions of you look at the additions of Thomas Tatar. Let's look back at the deadline here. Thomas Tatar. They give up a first, second, and third round pick for Thomas Tatar, and everybody was like, "Wait a minute, we'll hold up." Yeah. A first, second, and third round pick. This is a team that's all in. This is a team that's in win now mode. They don't care. They don't care if it's the first year. They don't care if it was the tenth year. It's a team in win now mode and a city that's bought in. And I think you look at guys like Gary Bettman. They're doing backflips right now because this is money for the NHL. Of course, and compared to other expansions, this is not Columbus or Nashville or Minnesota. This is Las Vegas, Nevada, a city in which if you're not entertaining me, if you're not good, then guess what? The NFL is coming in three years. We'll go watch them. And there are other things to do. We'll go watch the Blue Man Group. We'll go watch Chippendales. Like, we'll go watch something else. We're going to watch hockey. You like the Chippendales. They ran out They had to plug that one. We'll talk about it all fair. But that's a team where, like, the NHL knew. Vegas had to come out of the gate and be hot. And if, if you know what? Playoffs weren't even, you know, a mandatory thing. Just be competitive. Don't be a 60, don't be a 60 loss team. I, I, but hey, you look at it and you got to give credit. To George McPhee mm-hmm. and Gerard Gallant. Yeah. George McPhee's he built the Washington Capitals. He's done a he done a wicked job. He's yes, he didn't win a cup in Washington. No, he didn't like but he's proven. He's got it, he's got a great track record. You look at a, a guy like Gerard Gallant yes. who took the Florida Panthers to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, he's getting a cab on the sidewalk for the Florida Black and one ball boomer. It to me Gerard Gallant shouldn't have been fired. It was a blessing in disguise for Vegas. And, and we, we look at where they're at now, 109-point team. And now they're four wins away from a Stanley Cup final. Which is still that's absolutely bonkers. And, like, going down, and I, last summer I went down to their press conference when they were announcing their TV deal with AT&T Sports. Well, Root Sports at the time, now AT&T Sports Network. And we were, I was there. I met a bunch of Vegas writers. I met a, I know a few guys who I uh, talked to on Twitter before. Um, Ken Bolke and Jason Potty from Zinbin. We were talking and listening to Bill Foley talk. What shows how this team is so different? Bill Foley said in the press conference, we're going to be the team of the Rockies. With the Avalanche already there. He was asked about that. He was asked, what do you think the Ro- Avalanche are going to say about you calling us the team of the Rockies? And he chuckled and said, oh, well, like... This guy, this guy has a personality. The fra- the franchise embraces fun. They have a Gila monster for a mascot, which is creepy as heck. Yeah, and this, very. We thought Hunter was bad. Like Chance, Chance the Gila monster. His head's way too big. But like this team went out when the team was announced, when everything was formalized. This team went out with the front office staff and players to elementary schools and high schools to hockey clinics. Giving kids jerseys, giving kids shirts, get them hooked. Because what do you need in a market like that? A young fan base that will be with you in 15 to 20 years. So, like, right now, these kids who are in, like, maybe grade 4 or grade 5, before the gold lights came in, their team might have been the Coyotes. 
or the Rangers right, right, or right. the Ducks. Now these kids are Golden Knight fans, and they're gonna pass on a Golden Knight love right. to their kids and so on and so forth, which is great. And you look at it, what does this do now for the Vegas market? Do we do we see more kids come out of Vegas and play in the National Hockey League? You might. You look at Austin Matthews out of Arizona. Uh, you know that's kind of a stepping stone for kids in that state. Uh, there could be the next superstar in Las Vegas. Uh, this is just a, a great story all around. And I, I wish, you know, Gerard Gallant, George McPhee, and the rest of the Bowl Vegas Gold Knights uh, the best of luck when they take on the Winnipeg Jets or the Nashville Predators. And, uh, man, they're a fun team to watch. They are. And you mentioned that Vegas will play either Winnipeg or Nashville. Talk about the hockey world changing and the fact that the last three teams standing are Winnipeg, Vegas and Nashville. That's the combination of teams that would like to come out of the West and probably shock somebody in the Eastern Conference and Cup Final. You know, a team for me was the the Nashville Predators. I really didn't think um, Winnipeg would stand a chance. You know, I I thought Nashville was too fast, uh, too quick. Their defense, you know, was one of the highest scoring defenses in the league this year with uh, PK Subban, Roman Yossi leading the charge. And uh, obviously you look up front with Arvidsson and the, the return of Mike Fisher and mm-hmm. all, all those guys up front and Kevin Fiala and the, the addition of Ryan Hartman, who, who was a pleasant surprise out of Chicago. But I, I really didn't, you know, give credit to the Winnipeg Jets and they've really kind of made a believer out of me. No, they, you, you look at guys like Mike Shipley and, and Connor Hellbuck. This is a guy at the beginning of the year we were talking about being traded or dealt and this is a guy now, he's potentially, if they beat Nashville tonight, uh, they're, again, punch their ticket to the Western Conference Final and they'll play Vegas. That's right. You mentioned Mark Scheifele. He was talking about Mark Scheifele. Oh, this kid's not going to do much. He's struggling. He can't make the team. And now Scheifele's one of the biggest key cogs in his roster. And, of course, right. Dustin Bufflin. Bufflin's coming out. He's had big playoff goals, hitting everything in sight. That's a guy who will be a game-breaker if Winnipeg makes it to the Cup Final. Man, Dustin Bufflin, I mean, that's... That's a, a guy every team dreams of. 30 other teams. I know we have a Oilers wish they had a guy like Dustin Buckland on their back end. And mm-hmm. um, Another guy for me was Kyle Connor. Yes. Uh, really had a great breakout rookie season and kind of snake bitten throughout the playoffs. Didn't really, you know, was really quiet. And finally last game against the National Predators really woke up. And uh, I, I think that could be a – a wake-up call. Exactly. It really could be. And, you know, I know for hockey writers, I know there are writers crossing their fingers. Please beat Winnipeg. Please beat Winnipeg. I know writers right now across the country, they want that conference final of Vegas and Nashville to go to Vegas one week and go to one game and go to Nashville the other. Because if you're following certain guys on Twitter last year, like they had too much fun covering a series in Nashville. Well, I, I'll tell you, looking at the way of Winnipeg, I would want to go to Winnipeg. That's That looks like a fun city oh, to cover play of hockey. Look at the, you ask our friend Gene Principe about that one. As he's now moved from Edmonton to Winnipeg for the series. And uh, that's a city I'd like to I'd like to be in right now. For exactly. And you mentioned, and that's a guy who we'll get on the show eventually later on. Gene actually... His first NHL team he covered was Winnipeg Jets 1.0. That's that right. he covered them back in the mid 90s. And there's a story Gene told me once on my show how he was doing an intermission segment when there was the Jets playing the LA Kings in about 94, 95. And who was the interview's intermission guest? Wayne Gretzky. 
and jeans him with pee his pants when Wayne walked in the studio. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would pee my pants too if Wayne Gretzky walked in. Um, just, yeah, it's, I, I'm looking forward to uh, the Western Conference and the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference Finals, and and we'll, we'll see who books their tickets to Stanley Cup. That we will. That we will. And of course, there's a lot of playoffs going on from the NHL to the NBA. Right now, the Cavaliers and uh, Raptors are playing game four in a series in which it's been probably the most frustrating series I've watched. In, I've been a Raptors fan for about the past, I was about eight years old, and watching the Raptors throw away game one and then game three, it made me want to throw a TV through the window. I wanted to throw LeBron James through a window. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, LeBron James is next level. LeBron James to me is, I, I might get some hate for this, but to me, he's a modern-day Michael Jordan like, to me. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why he wears 23. This guy is an animal. Uh, there is no way. We, we seen a little bit last year against Indiana when Stevenson get under his skin a little bit, and that's the way you got to approach LeBron. Yeah. you got to get under his skin. Uh, Serge Ibaka or anybody, Jonas Valanciunas really, should get under his skin. Yeah. And I think that's their biggest downfall right now is they're, they're letting LeBron James run this series. They have to they're letting run. LeBron James run through the Toronto Raptors, and let me tell you, I strongly believe there'll be a sweep and the Toronto Raptors will be hitting home. Unfortunately, because, you know, looking at game one, like game one, things are going great. You know what? It was a close game, but I know, I know they had a, I know they had the 15-point lead they blew. But, you know, at the end of the day, they just shot to win that game in game one. And you know what? Yes, the officiating is absolutely garbage. Are calls biased more towards our players? Could be blind to not know that. But this is a game where Toronto, with about 10 seconds left, gets the ball to Kevin Love, friggin' brings a backhand elbow into Mario DeRozan's jaw. Which I thought he been, broke his jaw. That yeah. should have been an ejection in my mind, mm-hmm. or at least a flagrant two, or flagrant, flagrant one at the right, time. Right. To give the Raptors two shots and the ball instead of just getting the ball back. But still, Fred Van Fleet, he's there. Open three. Misses. Okay, he missed three. But the Raptors get the ball back. DeRozan, put back. Miss. Valchunas, put back. Miss. 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 In that instance, guys, you gotta hit at least one of those buckets to make it a two-point game with about one second to go. You gotta find a way to put that in. Those are game breakers, and those will, those will change the series around. You know, it could be a different conversation today if Jonas Valanciunas or Fred Van Bleek really bury those opportunities. It could be a different series. Yeah. We could be talking 2-1 Raptors right now. Absolutely. And then even in that sequence there, that happens. The Cavaliers get the ball back with about .9 to go. And who was wide open for the shot, the game-winning shot he missed? LeBron James. In an instance. How is LeBron able to get free? You know, I don't, you know what? You know what? Fine. If, if that ball goes to Kyle Korver or J.R. Smith or whoever, or, or Jeff Green or George Hill, and they hit the game winner at the buzzer, fine. You know what? Tough way to lose, but at least you didn't let LeBron burn you. Maybe maybe it's the Canadian way, Avery. Maybe we're, just, <laughs> maybe we're too polite. It's, oh, it's LeBron James. Oh, he's in Toronto? Oh, I'm sorry. There's a free lane to the basket. We've seen it tonight with, with uh, George, George Hill. Hill. I mean, who's got to be 65 years old. I'm surprised he's not out there with a walker. But, I mean, why in the world... 
do, do you give LeBron James a free look or a free lane? Get in his grill. Yeah. Kevin Love's in the grill of DeMar DeRozan. Get DeMar DeRozan in the grill of LeBron James all day long. Because then you do that, he can test shots, he misses, and it could, like I said, different story, different yeah. ball game. Why in the world is he wide open? I'm, I'm, I'm turning gray. Like it's that bad. Man. I don't know what's going through the mind of Dwayne Casey. I don't know what's going through the mind of the star players of Toronto or, or the bench for that matter. But get somebody on LeBron James. He is the best in the league for a reason. Yeah. Look, it's the same thing right now on on Steph Curry. You gotta guard Steph Curry. You gotta double team Steph. You gotta make sure you double double team Clay. So it's the same thing in Cleveland. Double team LeBron James. I don't care about Kyle Korver. Give Kyle Korver a wide open three. Yeah. That's fine. But you gotta take away the space and time of the best guy on the court. It's the same thing in Edmonton with Connor McDavid. And teams come here, you gotta take away the time and space of Connor McDavid. Yeah. And and they feed off other guys, Leon Dreisaitl or whatever. It's the same thing in Cleveland. Exactly. And looking at, you know, they, lo- they lose game three, that's an instance in which you have OG Ananobi, who made a game-tying three. He had, a, he had a great game, by the way. OG's been balling out in this series. Great look for the rookie. But LeBron, that last play of the game, how in the world is that a one-on-one situation where he's coming down the court? I understand they want to trap LeBron, but no, come on. It's LeBron James. This is a guy who will find a way to get that shot off eventually. you got to force LeBron either to force a timeout or just force LeBron to pass that off. Do not let LeBron run in the lane and get the last shot off. He gets it off that falling, that shot where he's going the wrong way, one-handed off the glass like he called it. Like, you clearly, kidding me? Clearly, there's only one guy in the league that knows how to guard LeBron James, and that's Lance Stevenson. <laughs> so if, I, if I'm the Toronto Raptors this summer... Messiah Drury, I'm getting on the phone with the Indiana Pacers. I'm trading whatever I need to get Lance Stevenson. And next year when they make the playoffs, when they make the regular season, I'm getting Lance Stevenson in the face of LeBron James all night and day. But why? These guys watch hours of tape, hours of practice. Take a book out of the Indiana Pacers and go LeBron. That's my biggest Pet beef. Go to LeBron James. It'd be a different game, different series. And right now we could be talking, like I said, either 2-1 or 3-0 Raptors instead. Now they're going to get swept by the Cleveland Cavaliers yet again. Which, by the way, Cleveland will be 10-0 in the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors, which is, to me, amazing. And they, that's something. Until you go to LeBron James. Nothing's going to change. No, and they, they will pick apart all day long. Yeah, and you're the number one seed, but yet the Raptors still have no idea how to handle adversity. They have no idea whatsoever. Did the Pacers lose games in that series? Yes, the Pacers lost in seven. At least the Pacers responded to adversity better than the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which to me is inexcusable. And you know what? People might are going to put blame on Dwayne Casey, and unfortunately, for all we, I hope it, I hope it, it doesn't happen. I hope Dwayne Casey is back here next year, but for all we know, this could cost him his job, which would be dumb because right now he's best coach for his Raptors, Malcolm Brad. Well, we talked uh, off air about Stan Van Gundy mm-hmm. potentially being a target. I just don't see him being any better than Dwayne Casey, and I, I completely agree with you. Dwayne Casey, in my eyes, is the best man for this job. 
the best man for the Toronto Raptors. Now, if we need to phone up David Stoudemire and and whoever else, Vince <laughs> Carter and Mo Pete to come back and play and guard LeBron James, then so be it. Let's get it done. May as well, but you're right. Like this team, like you know, we mentioned last season, though it is easier said than done because I don't know if Indiana would want a Kyle, a Demar, or whoever to try and get Lance because that, Lance, he's a great player, but he's the last of a dying breed of a pest. Basketballs don't have any more pests. He's the last of a dying breed in that aspect. How about we trade Drake for Lance Stevenson? Because, hey, I heard Drake likes to likes to throw it down. Let's see if Drake can play some shooting guard or point guard for the Indiana Pacers. Well, that's right. Was- Maybe Kendrick Perkins just about to throw down, so... You know what? You know, that's the one guy, you know, I got to admit, I, I love Drake's fire. I love Drake's passion. But Kendrick Perkins, that's a boy I would not want to be getting chirping with because that's, uh, that's, that's a, a six, big man. That's a six foot ten, two hundred and sixty five pound brother that will just, <laughs> you know, he put his hands on you. Woo! No, sir. No, thank you. Does that remind you of the APA or something? <laughs> or, 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 the, or the Nation of Domination? Nation of Domination. The, the, the Rock and Peru and all those guys and back Dilo in the Brown. WWE days. Dilo Brown and Mark Henry. That, that's like, you see, you put like those memes, <laughs> you put Edward Perkins' face on top of Devo Brown or something, and, <laughs> and he's coming down to the ring and... You know, that's how I picture Kevin. That's a mean dude. So who's their Owen Hart? Kevin Love? He's the <laughs> is Kevin Love the Owen Hart of the nation of Yeah, Kevin uh, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Love, hey, I, I, the Birdman, Chris Anderson, hey, I, I don't know. Chris <laughs> Oh man, that is funny. That is funny stuff. And of course, moving from the Toronto Sports we're moving to the Toronto Blue Jays, who this year after last year's debacle they're above 500 again, and this is a team where, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised by, of course, the big names haven't been there so far. Like, right. you know, Dalton hasn't been playing a great, Marcus Stroman's ERA is in the strategy right now, but they've been getting contribution from other aspects. One guy in particular, you know, Chris Granderson was a great addition to his ball club right now. I, I, you know what? I'm a big fan of Sauton. Yes. Uh, you know, former Yankee, former San Diego Padre. This is a guy who gets undervalued. And the Toronto Blue Jays took him and ran with him. You look at Alessius Diaz, same thing. Uh, hopefully he comes back relatively soon. He was, a, for, in my eyes, a great fill-in for uh, Tula Whiskey. But, you know, let's, let's remember here, this Blue Jay team is not even fully healthy. No. They're without Tulo. Steve Pierce is on the DL. Now Diaz goes on the DL. This team is above 500. And not even playing 100% baseball. It's a pleasant surprise. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know what gets me more excited, though, Avery? Yes. Is the kids coming up. You look at Boba Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yes. And how about Lourdes Goriel? Just incredible. The future of this ball club. The, Toronto, or the, the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees need to start looking out. Because this is a team to be playing with. And the ALAs for years to come. No, they're going to be. And you mentioned Vlad in Double A. He's been tearing it up right now. That's the kid where. And watching Vlad Guerrero Jr. swing, I know his feet are a bit more open than his dad's swing was, but geez almighty, that is so much resembling Vlad Sr. in this game. Yeah, I, I mean, it gets me excited. It does. It gets me fired up. And who knows? Stay tuned. Maybe uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. might be on the Brad Nebri hour. Hey, you never in the next, know. Next uh, couple months. and. 
Stay tuned for that. Yeah, but you know, it's funny though. People were mentioning Black Girl and people were saying how, oh, and here's the one thing that people may not know. Even I didn't know this until recently was that, unlike other major league sports, there's no 18 plus limit to play in MLB. I didn't know you could still have a 16 year old play in major leagues or 17 year old. And people were suggesting last year, I mean, before when Vlad wasn't 18 yet, call him up. It's a great idea, but that would have been way too much for a 16 or 17-year-old in the major leagues, in my mind at least. I know, I agree. And uh, what the Jays are doing with him is is the right call, I think, letting him kind of play his way to double-A and a potentially triple-A and just let him go. Mm. Let him get used to the, you know, the, the quote-unquote, the North American game and... And let him grow into that major league star that we know he can be. Yeah, exactly. I would much rather have him like you. Yeah, I would much rather go with him through single A, double A, triple A, than rushing him and have people go on Twitter and whatever. Oh, he's a bust. He's hitting 165. What's wrong with him? What's wrong with this kid? I want him fully mature at 21 or 22, coming out there and being a mass contributor to a brutal playoff run. No, I I completely agree. For sure, 100 percent. And like I said, I think what they're doing with them now is is the right way to go about it. Absolutely, sure. it truly is. It truly is. And going from I knew I go from baseball to, of course, and you're a big we're big football fans. So I knew I wanted to mention the NFL draft, which happened a couple weeks ago, and the NFL draft. This was a quarterback rich draft in the first round, but I was really surprised to see the Cleveland Browns go with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback of the future. That was to be surprise number one. To me. And you know what, teach your own, but to me, Baker Mayfield is he's a very, very talented quarterback. Yes. Very talented quarterback. Um, he's just got lots of outfield, quote-unquote, baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reminds me of Johnny Manziel. We know how that worked out. How yeah, we do. Um, so, hey, it's remained to be seen. Maybe this guy can come in. Learn. I still believe Tyrod Taylor is the number one for now. Maybe he can come in, learn under Tyrod Taylor, and be the guy of the future. We, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess in, in all reality, you can't screw up a first-round first pick if you need to be. Uh, Denzel Ward, I think, came off the board a bit too early. I was surprised to see him go to Cleveland at four. Um, but, hey, Cleveland are building. That some of the trades they made this, this offseason are actually pretty impressive. Uh, so this team looks to be on the upswing. Yeah, Cleveland looks, but this is a team where every opportunity they've had to rebuild and, re- and reprogram things, they failed. And I really hope they don't fail Baker Mayfield because they've gone through how many? They've gone through 28 starting quarterbacks since returning to the NFL in '99. That is insane that they've gone through that many quarterbacks. Has someone been okay? Some have had success elsewhere, but for the most part. Quarterbacks have been their Achilles tendon in their time in the NFL franchise. Well, let's remember, didn't they have Tim Couch? Oh, at one God. point, that, that was that was that was bad. Tim Couch, Seneca Wallace, Kelly Holcomb. I'm pretty sure Doug Pearson had a stint in Cleveland too. Jeff Garcia, three years past his prime. The list goes on and on and on. Um, who else did they have? Terrell Pryor, after becoming a wide receiver, they were at, I think it was a game a couple of years ago where they got, um, who was it? I think Seneca Wallace got hurt. And no, Deshaun Ka- uh, Kaiser got hurt. Kaiser was right. And Troy Whitehouse got hurt. So they had to go to Pryor at quarterback for the rest of the game. But that is embarrassing. That Terrell, the guy, Terrell Pryor, guy who went back to receiver, had to return to quarterback because he was no one else to play quarterback the rest of the game. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I really, you know, to me the draft was, was interesting this year. There, there was a lot of intrigue, a lot of uh, surprises. Mm-hmm. I guess you look at the, the Buffalo Bills going the, the quarterback route they did. Uh, the Denver Broncos did well. Uh, filling some needs, obviously, Bradley Chubb at the fifth overall selection. But how about the Baltimore Ravens trading up to get Lamar Jackson? I've been a big fan of this guy in college. Mm-hmm. Washington College is a Heisman Trophy winner. I think for me, this is the biggest steal of draft. I think so. This is going to me over time. This is going to be the best quarterback in that NFL draft when we look back five, ten years from now. Uh, that kid's going to ball out, but I'm really I am really surprised that it took that long for him to get drafted. And people were saying, oh, can he play pro? Like, I thought it was so silly, the questioning of a guy like Kim at the pro level. Like, we saw teams pass him up. Teams need quarterbacks. Now, not, nothing against Arizona. Josh Rosen is going to be a great pro for the Cardinals. But I'm really surprised that Arizona didn't look at Lamar Jackson, the quarterback of the future, in my mind. That was a little bit surprised the Cardinals passed him up. Yeah, I I felt the same way. I mean, I, I thought Arizona might take him there, and then obviously when they when they passed, it was I was I was kind of shocked. But again, I mean, every team is different. Right? Mm-hmm. Every team need is different, and um, obviously Arizona didn't feel they needed him. No, but you know what? Hey, but like I said, Josh Rosen, though you go from. He'll give, he'll give some stability to that team right now. We saw Carson Palmer get retired. And anybody else who wasn't named Carson Palmer over the past five years in Arizona, it was a bit of a crapshoot we saw. It was a bit of a shaky situation for the Cardinals, the quarterback, when Palmer, you know, blew his knee out, caught bonitis, just was dang old because, you know, old basically in his career. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you had, uh, you had uh, Drew, I believe it was Drew Stanton coming mm-hmm. in. And take over, and we all know how that turned out. Um, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see now that the taunts passed on from from Carson Palmer, and and obviously the Honey Badgers not there anymore, and Tyron Matthews, um, he's in Houston, so they they got some questions in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens come mm-hmm. uh, September October. Of course, of course, the best story in the draft was Shaquem Griffin going to the Seattle Seahawks late, and this is a guy where I'm not a Seahawks fan at all. But he's a guy who I definitely want to see him ball out in the NFC West. This is a guy who, if you don't know his story, he was born a malformed left hand, amputated at four years old, and he went through high school ball with his brother, with a star at University of Central Florida. And this is a guy who wasn't even invited to the the combine, runs the fast time for a linebacker in the four-year dash in 12 years, and proved once again, I can play football. Don't the fact that I have one hand stop you from taking me onto your football team. Let me tell you, the you know being being a man with a disability and and seeing that was was powerful, and they they seen his ability, not his disability. As I always say, it's something I carry close with me. And man, I, I wish to get a Griffin the, the nothing with the best, and I, I want to see that guy succeed. And it's such a cool story to to see him uh, be able to play with his brother in Seattle. It, it was it was incredible, yeah. it truly was, and and really it shows you that if you put your mind to something, no matter what it is, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter 
what you're overcoming or what challenge you may be seeing or, or perceiving that you can do anything you put your mind to. Absolutely. You know, when watching Jakeem play, this is a guy where off the edge he can get to the quarterback. He can play a little bit of safety as well too. And this is a guy where put the ball on the ground for a fumble. He had he's had touchdowns before in college. He's had interceptions. Watching him pick balls out of the air with one hand is incredible stuff. Yeah, he's quite the spectacle. Yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing him at the NFL level for sure. Like that's going to be a guy where, wow. And what do you think about the fact the NFL draft is now a rotating thing? I, I like the fact that it's now getting out of New York City. I like the fact that it's gone to Philadelphia, Chicago, and Dallas. To me, this should be a thing that comes every NFL city. I like the fact that it's now a moving thing. I, I love it. I think they should have did it years ago, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But, I mean, now here we are. And and they are rotating in. I mean, as you mentioned, we've seen it in, in Dallas um, just this past you know, past month, and I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm again. I'm hoping uh, maybe next year, the year after, you get down there and then to be scared to stay alive. But every other sport does it. You see the NHL do it down mm-hmm. in Vancouver uh, next year, and so finally the the NFL jumped on board. Um, and, and decided to rotate. Now the NBA needs to do the same thing. Exactly. Like the NBA draft has always been in New York City. But yeah, that would be a great thing to see the NBA draft. Yeah, move to a Chicago, move to a Boston, or. Chicago. Yeah, I, 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 no, sorry, my bad. It used to go, it used to move. It moved, it, I, I'm pretty sure it moved last to, ironically, Canada. In 95, the draft was in Toronto. I'd like welcome back to Canada because they wanted to, you know, welcome, welcome the NBA to Canada. So draft 95 was at the Skydome. Now oh, Rogers right. Center. Yeah, right. I forgot about that was the Kevin Garnett draft. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot they went to Toronto one year. Yeah, no, that was the last time I think it ever left New York City. Yeah, but it should it should rotate again. But man, I just want to say what what an experience again this is uh, with Grand Villa Casino behind us. Um, you know, giving us this room and this this beautiful beautiful spectacle to to do a show in. Um, we're hoping the next couple shows are whatever to go live um you'll you'll be able to see us and say see the show and see the room uh, so we'll have video and be able to see our guests uh we we got some big things planned exactly. and we're, we're we're super 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 excited we're super honored and privileged to, to be able to have this opportunity no of course and once again like i stated earlier when we were doing our more of our preamble more of our long retro the room right now we're doing this in the money but the money that's in this room is insane when we do go live, I want to get some muscles before you know. I, I don't want to go on live. Like a, I don't want to be on live camera like a string bean. I'm already do. I already, I already do my show. I'm already skinny enough. I want to gain some muscle before I go on camera with the Brian Avery hour. <laughs> you, should, you should see him now. He's lifting a dumbbell as he's doing the show. Exactly he's right. Pumped up, ready to go. Uh, I know he, he keeps stealing my arms over here, so he's getting a little too close for comfort. But that's what happens when you get a new co-host. You know, he gets he's got to get familiar. <laughs> I think Michaels did the same thing for years, so it's okay. That is yeah. true. That is very true. And of course, you know, in the sports world, you mentioned you go back to basketball for a second. And one of the bigger stories right now, it's not involving the playoffs, is the fact that the uh, Milwaukee Bucks interviewed Becky Hammond, criticism coach for the Spurs, to be their uh, head coach. And she was the first woman to be interviewed for head coaching gig in the NBA. And the ignorance that's come through on in the internet just 
It just disgusts me, the oh, oh, what are you going to hire her to do? Go in the kitchen? <laughs> like, and people also saying, oh, how are 12 guys going to respect a woman as a head coach? Which is ridiculous. She's one of the most respected names in basketball right now in the world. And you think players won't respond to her? You're off your, you're off your rocker. You know, Avery, that's with everything. I mean, people have an opinion. Yeah. Big, people have an opinion on anything you do and everything you will do. Mm-hmm. It's whether you let those opinions affect you or they become outside noise. And for Becky Hammond, I believe she will be a tremendous coach. I believe one day she will be hired, whether it's with the Milwaukee Bucks or another team. Um, and, and for me, this is a great opportunity for her to open the door for many other women. Yeah. It's true, man. Yeah, and, and people forget, like, she coached last year for a summer league team that won the summer league title. So she already has coached men before as the, as the boss of the team and won. Like, I think you mentioned that would be a great point because there are other women who coach in WNBA who are very deserving of, and college ball also, too, who are very deserving of a pro shot in the NBA one day. And if she gets that job, the Milwaukee Bucks are going to become my second favorite team behind the Raptors if they do hire her as head coach. Absolutely. I think... It's just incredible. It's it's a you're you're breaking down barriers. You look at you know, how far we've come with you know um, with, with everything. You know with with race in baseball when mm. with Jackie Robinson right and, and and all these barriers being knocked down. What's another one now with Becky Hammond becoming the first ever female coach in the NBA? Yeah, and it's, and of course, another good story is going around involving women breaking barriers. Of course, um, in soccer, Steph LeBay, who uh, bronze medalist with Canada's women's soccer team, been there for years. She's played pro with women's teams. She this summer got a trial with Calgary Foothills in the professional development league, mm-hmm. and as a goalkeeper for them. And she played a preseason game against the Edmonton FC's academy team, other preseason games, and the league said you can't play for in the our league because you're a woman. Literally, that was the reason. Gender-based rules mean you're barred from our league, which means ridiculous. That that is still other sports leagues like women play professionally with the men, but soccer still has the mentality of women can't play with men, which is beyond ridiculous. That there's still these barriers saying women can't be on a men's playing surface. We're very familiar and we're very close with a woman that plays professionally with men. Mm-hmm. That being Shannon Davenport. Yes. Of the women's Canadian hockey team. I don't get it. I don't get it whether you're the sex, the race, the color, the age. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. If you have the talent, you should be able to play. Yes. And for me, this is, look, we we just talked about this with Becky Hammond. This is the 21st century. A woman should be able to play a man's sport if she's good enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe she's good enough. You look at Shannon Zabados playing in Columbus with the Cotton Mouse. Yeah. She, she's good enough. She's talented enough. She played with the Nadeuks local or local hockey team here in Edmonton. Why not? Yeah. What is the big deal? I didn't get it. And there were comments saying how, oh, you know, what if Steph got kicked in the head by a men's player? You don't think she... Steph LeBay is six feet tall, and Steph LeBay towers over me and Brad. Steph LeBay can handle contact from men. Like, she can handle that kind of stuff. She's not a delicate... She's on egg. She can handle this kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. You know, yeah, it's... I don't even think... It shouldn't even be a discussion. No. 
if you, as I said, you know, we broke back to this. If he has the talent, mm -hmm. she should be able to play. Absolutely. No questions asked. It doesn't, like I said, doesn't matter about sex, race, color, what, whatever. It doesn't matter your name. I don't care. Yeah. If you're able to play, put her in. You look at, we had a woman back in, what was it, 95. We had a woman goaltender play with the Tampa Bay yeah, Lightning. Man on Real. There's no difference there. Why not? It's stupid. I remember, I remember back in 05 when Annika Sorenstein wanted to play in the PGA Tour. And there was resistance for her, and she played a couple events. And she, I think he missed the cut in the first event by about two strokes. People were saying, oh, she shouldn't play with men. Do people not realize, yes, she missed the cut. I think she shot around the 76. An average person can barely break around of 96, much less 76, at a PGA event. Does Tiger Woods even shoot a 76? <laughs> he would shoot a beat Tiger Woods. Like that, like, like that is so insanely tough to do, to shoot under 80 at any level. And for one to do a PGA Tour event, and I know she made the cut eventually, but still, like, that is not... Golf is one of the hardest sports in the world to master. And if you can do that, like, go ahead. I don't care if one wants to play the PGA Tour. There's no skin off my nose for that. No, I... Uh, it shouldn't be any debate. There yeah. should be no debate about it. I, I guarantee you, mark my words now, Becky Hammond's going to coach in the NBA. Many other women are going to coach in the NBA in the next five to ten years. And I guarantee you, she will be the goalkeeper in Tampa. Yeah, she will. She will. All right, as we continue on the Brian Avery Hour here at Atlas Edmonton inside the Granville Casino in downtown Edmonton. It's a gorgeous night, Brad. The fact that there's no snow on the ground here. Oh, does it feel nice coming here again on a jacket or a toque or winter boots on? Finally, it's about time. <laughs> it's about time. That's why they call it Yegas, right? We're, we're <laughs> in the Vegas of the North. We're excited. I'm fired up to be here. And man, oh man, uh, we're, we're going to wind down this great uh, show number one. And hopefully we have many more to come. Exactly, exactly. You know, this is something I'm shocked. I'm, I'm really surprised we didn't get into this more earlier in the podcast. But it's been the talk of the hockey world. It's been big news. I am buying an expansion franchise for the Vatican City NHL. I'm buying Vatican City a new hockey team. Okay, another breaking news. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you had everybody going for a minute, and then Vatican are all oh, wait a minute. I don't even know if Vatican knows hockey exists. Hey, no, never know. Well, seriously, though. Brad Mole, if you recall being serious, the NHL issued a uh, statement on Brad Marchand and other players that will will not be tolerated and will be dealt with discipline. For those of you who don't know, Brad Marchand, the Boston Bruins, had an issue where he first, in round one, licked the Okamrov of the Maple Leafs and did it again, which he licked Ryan Callahan of the Town Bay Lightning on the lips. Absolutely disgusting in my mind. That's just, that's so gross. Let me tell you. And I'm going to be brutally honest here. I don't have a problem with it. Really? I think this is a pest at its best. I think he's getting on the scheme of players. It's absolutely working. Why not continue to do it? No. Well, here's the thing. Well, you know what? He's a pest. Yeah, you know, there's ways to get under a guy's skin. But that level of, that's just nasty. You could, you could give someone mono... Hepatitis, other transmitted diseases. I just hope Ugh. he brushed his teeth. <laughs> oh, I hope Brad Marchand, if you're listening, please brush your teeth. 
I, you know what? Kudos to Ryan Callahan having the restraint to not just clobber Marshawn right there and then. Because, of course, you probably would have gotten an instigate penalty. Probably a 10 that gave you a sucker punch Marshawn right there and then. But, like, really? But, Avery, that's what he wants players to do. Oh, I know. Yeah. He, those are antics. He wants players to, to buy into that. Yeah. He wants players to react. He wants players to retaliate. Because, guess what? That gives the Boston Bruins an advantage. Mm-hmm. They go on two-minute power play. They score, don't score, they're a man up. Yeah. Right? It's it's great psychology to the game. Brian Marchand is doing it the right way. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Hey, if I was on the ice, I'd stop licking players too because I know it grosses people <laughs> out. This is a great way to get under somebody's skin and potentially draw a penalty. Oh, it is. Fantastic. But now it's a bad thing. Now you can't be doing it. But what baffled me was that the NHL basically said there was no rule for that. There was no way to call it. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Do that. Call it that. That's not a part of the game. That's a, an egregious violation of some sort of spirit of the game. And here's the thing. When Sean Avery did his distraction of Martin Bordeaux the next day, Daniel said, you cannot stand in front of the goalie and face him the screen. Next day. Why did Angel say the next day that looking is that bad? What was the delay in that? Did you hear Brad Marshall's opening a sports bar in Edmonton? What's it called? But he couldn't get his liquor license. Oh, bad joke. <laughs> you know, we're in the minute of almost 90 and we got the bad jokes coming. Wow. <laughs> you know, end of the day, though, his brews got licked. Oh, yeah, they, they did. They did already. <laughs> Four straight, and we talked about it on the top of the show. You know? Uh, the attempt at landing were just way far too strong. That they were. That they were. We're watching, though. For those of you who can't see, of course you can't see. It's audio. But right now, Nashville's up on Winnipeg 2 nothing in the second period at the time of this, of this taping. And the Predators, you know, give them credit. They're not going to go down and die. They want to force a Game 7, and, you know, it'll be a fun Game 7 between the Jets and the Predators. It will be, and you know, as I said, this this press team is not something to, to fool around with. They're a good mm-hmm. hockey team. No, really, you guys. Kevin Fiala came down the wing, ripped one that just missed the net. But you know what I find interesting, though? It is kind of funny to see the whiteout still be a thing in Winnipeg when home teams don't wear white anymore. It doesn't really work. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work. But let me tell you, that crowd looks good. No, that's the one thing. I'll give I'll, Winnipeg. I'll give you guys a lot of credit. That was the one thing when when a lot of Thrashers moved to Winnipeg. The big concern was that can the MTS Center handle NHL hockey? Will fans support it long term to make sure that there's money going into it? That that was the biggest concern with NHL. And you know what? That's all to me. That's, that's I'm sure it's not a concern anymore. As you see right now, the place is packed to the brim. There's probably people sitting on the roof of the MTS that are trying to watch a game, game from a balcony. Excuse me. Oh, I almost belched into the microphone. <laughs> He's choking on his water. <laughs> He's going to drown. That is not what, that is not what you want. But yeah, but yeah, I'm saying, Brad, the fan base in Winnipeg has just been phenomenal. Any concerns that fans wouldn't go, I'm sure, have been alleviated so far in this postseason. I, yeah, I, I think so. And, I, you know, it, this is great to see. Uh, it's great to see a fan base. That's been hurt. It was hurting the hockey for a mm-hmm. long time, and uh, I got I got family members that were, were they grew up in Winnipeg, and they they missed those Jets. Uh, the the team with Solani, Shane Dolan died days. Mm-hmm. I know team with Solani's in the building tonight at the MTS Center, and uh, 
they, they got it back. And uh, let me tell you, Mark Chippen and, and all, all the guys in Winnipeg that made this thing happen, they have not disappointed. They put on quite the, quite the show. No, they really have. But one thing with these Winnipeg Jets that it drives me, if you, if you follow me on Twitter at Avery, at AVRY, one thing that drives me up a wall is that Winnipeg Jets now are not the Winnipeg Jets of old. Those are two different franchises. I just hate seeing the records. If I'm someone who works in sports media, I would be I would be I'd be able to talking to you with, with my employees if I was a host or if I was the station director. Because you've heard some people say on TSN, first Winnipeg Jets playoff win series wins '87. That's incorrect. It's the first Winnipeg NHL team to have a playoff series win. The, you can't you can't combine the Jets records of 1.0 and 2.0. The Jets of 1.0 are now in Phoenix. Two different franchises. I hate that. that that's correct. Yeah, you're, you're very, very right. Uh, quick plug: make sure you follow me on Twitter, uh, broadcasting Brad, and uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. We're up to date with all those uh, everything sports and everything in between. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, you know it's summertime. You know what? When this is this is a World Cup year. I know people watch soccer. You know, eventually sports. You know. The topic's going to die down for a little bit. Eventually, it'll just be Brad and myself talking more baseball. But in between that, it'll be the World Cup. 32 teams. And I'm excited for this. I know, of course, yeah, there's no Canada. No, there's no Team USA. No, and of course, being half Trinidadian, half Jamaican, no Trinidad, nor Jamaica made it. But I'm still going to watch either way. Because I may not have, I may not have a team in the fight. I'm going to watch. Even if you don't like soccer... The whole world watches the World Cup to see what's going to happen. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Put that on hold. I thought this entire time you were Ukrainian and German. <laughs> Holy smokes. Trinidadian. Wow. Okay. That that clarifies everything. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, see, I was just saying. That's the one sport where the World Cup, I've had a lot of people, Brad, maybe they, they don't have been a big sports fan. When the World Cup is on, they're glued to the TV. I watched the World Cup last month in 2014. I watched it in five different cities. I watched tournament in Edmonton, Vancouver, Toronto, LA, and Vegas. Yeah. And in every city, when there was a game on, it could have been England playing, Portugal, Chile. The, everybody stopped what they were doing to watch games. And I think it'll be like the same way again here at Atlas and at Grand Villa. Uh, yeah, I, I think the world stops mm-hmm. when the World Cup is on and you look at the Olympics and all that stuff too. I, I really do. The world tunes in. Mm-hmm. The world, there's something captivating about world coming together and playing the game of soccer. It's, it's definitely something else. Uh, make sure you tune in. We're going to have more info on that next week, next, next episode here on the Brad Avery Hour uh, right here at us at Magic Granville Casino. We'll have more info on a World Cup party coming near you. Exactly. So yeah, tune in. You don't want to miss that. You know, we got some news that you may you may enjoy. And hey, you never know. Maybe you'll meet. Maybe you'll meet Brad myself. Maybe we'll come down to You never know. We'll come on down. Maybe yes. Exactly. Uh, one thing before we close off here, Avery. Uh, how about we? Any questions, comments, concerns, uh, feedback, anything is welcome. Please, please, please do. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter. Facebook at Broadcasting Brad, at Avery, and, but you can also email us, if, if that's correct. Yes, you can. You can email us at bradandavery at gmail.com, and of course, follow our joint Instagram account, 
Brian Avery on at Instagram and on Twitter. Head to our SoundCloud page, the Brian Avery Hour. Type that into SoundCloud.com. You can download every episode. We'll, have, we'll post some more content there. We'll post stuff on our Twitter account, Instagram, so you can see stuff that we do during the week and behind the scenes for the podcast. And you can see everyone in his underwear reading a book. <laughs> I don't know up, about that'll that. That'll be up tomorrow morning. I don't know about that. I don't even want, want to watch that. Ugh. Okay, guys, again, thank you guys so, so much for the support. Huge shout-out to Shaq, uh, Dave again for not only coming on, for making this happen. Raymar, Bray, our wait staff, our, our private waitress, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge shout-out to all those guys. Thank you guys so much for making this possible, making the dream come true. We got so much planned for you in the next couple months and hopefully in the next couple years with some live guests right here joining us at this beautiful round table. Uh, For Avery Lewis McDougall, I'm Brad Barco. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you back here Monday, 8 p.m. local time, the Brad and Avery Hour. Don't miss it.